Hey, Murder With My Husband listeners, we're here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. There's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually actually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas. Garrett and I sometimes get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found a custom pickleball set for my pickleballer who, as you know, is obsessed with it. Now, it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleball, gift mode has you covered need to find the perfect gift don't panic try gift mode on etsy now this show is supported by state farm you have insurance for your home your health and your car why don't you have insurance for your small business so many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance protecting a source of revenue is one thing but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is Murder With My Husband. I'm Peyton Moreland. And I'm Garrett Moreland. And he's the husband. I'm the husband. If you are watching on YouTube, you probably know we are back in our set. Apologize for everything going on in this corner over here. We are currently fixing and redoing a couple of things. Okay, before we get into Garrett's 10 seconds, I wanted to remind everyone about our Dear Daisy episodes and that we need your true crime stories, your horror stories, your paranormal stories. You can submit those by emailing listeners at murderwithmyhusband.com. We really want to hear from you. We're really excited about sharing these stories. So again, it's any true crime stories, personal hometown stories, paranormal horror stories. These are different than case suggestions. We're calling them Dear Daisy and they will be released monthly. Okay, Gare, you ready for your 10 seconds? Well, we are back from Colorado and we did a collab with Josh and Kendall from Mile Higher. It was super fun. Back, just Peyton and I. Ready. And Daisy. And Daisy, ready to go. A bunch of people mentioned that it sounded like I had a lisp <laughs> in the episode. And I think it was just something with my mic. Okay, so this is actually funny. When we sat down to record, I turned to Garrett and I said, why do you have a lisp? I don't, yeah. And so I think it was just something with my mic. Something was off. I don't know. But I don't have a lisp as, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I do. No, but it was just that episode. Yeah. Because no one's ever said anything before. Yeah. So hopefully I sound a little bit better now. If I have a lisp and I don't know, something happened to me and. Yeah. Now, now you got now this. Now I have a lisp. But no, I think it was just a mic. I think something was just going on, but all is good now. But thanks to everyone who was concerned. I know it probably played mind tricks on you. I know. We are actually going to see Guardians of the Galaxy this weekend. Um for Mother's for Day. For Mother's Day. Super excited about that. I've been wanting to see it. It's prob probably my favorite Marvel franchise or Marvel, yeah, movie. What about you, babe? What's your favorite? Well, it's hard. I've never seen Guardians. Crazy person. Currently, right now, with everything I've seen. Captain I, America. I probably like. Oh, no. Thor. The Spider-Man movies. Oh. Okay. 
Yeah, because we've only watched up, so that's why you're thinking that. But I have mm-hmm. seen the Spider-Man movies before. And, yeah, well, true. obviously, like Tom Holland and Zendaya. Yeah. You can't get it. You can't. Can't you go wrong there. I also love that in the Spider-Man's Iron Man makes appearances. Like, because yeah. I really like Iron Man too. So I just, I think I just like that one the most. Yeah. So on that note, besides me having a lisp and us going to see Guardians of the Galaxy, kind of just been hanging out. So let's get into today's episode. Just a reminder, if you want ad-free content, bonus content, we have both Apple subscriptions and Patreon. Um, you get ad-free content. We do bonus episodes each month. And and it's a great way to support the podcast. So thanks to everyone who is currently subscribed to us and thinking about it. We really appreciate it. And if you're new here from Mile Higher, if you're a Mile Higher listener and you're now listening to Murder With My Husband, hello. We are so happy to have you. All right. Our case sources today are CNN, Fox News, WCVB.com, WBUR.org, 7newsbostonpeople.com, CBS, NBC, Insider, The New York Post, Daily Mail, Boston.com, CrimeGrade.org, TheDailyBeast.com, MassLive.com, and Boston Herald. Okay. This week for our case, we are doing something a little bit different. We're covering a case that's ongoing as we speak. A case that's Mm. been playing out for the past few months in real time over in Massachusetts. Okay. The events we're talking about are very recent. This case has been widely covered in the press, although you're probably going to hear many more details in our podcast today than you may have already known. There's a man sitting in prison right now, accused of first-degree murder, but there hasn't been a trial yet. In our system of justice, a criminal defendant is presumed innocent until proven guilty. This defendant, again, has not yet been proven guilty in a court of law. Here are the facts of our case this week. Anna Olchubisic was born in Belgrade, Serbia in 1983. Her mother is Milanka Olchubisic. Anna is smart and accomplished, and she actually graduates from the University of Belgrade with a degree in French language and literature. Anna then comes to the United States and earns her master's degree in hospitality management from Cornell University. Ah, sound familiar. I actually got my degree in that as well. Anna is petite at five foot two and 115 pounds, and she's very beautiful. She's kind of known for her beauty. Okay. Anna is working at the upscale Wheatley Hotel in the resort area of the Berkshires in Massachusetts. And it's there that she first meets a man named Brian Walsh. At this point, Anna is only 25 years old. By one account, Anna is a reservations manager at the hotel, but by a family member's account, they meet when Anna cleans Brian's apartment. In any event, Anna first meets Brian in 2008, and Anna says that it's love at first sight. Brian, though, is about seven or eight years older than Anna, and he comes from a very well-to-do family. Brian Reza Walsh was born on August 17, 1976, to Diana and Thomas M. Walsh, and he's an only child. Brian goes to boarding school in Rhode Island and to a private school in Boston. He will then attend Carnegie Mellon University. His dad, Dr. Thomas Walsh, is a very well-respected neurosurgeon working in Boston. And Dr. Walsh was working as the chief of neurology at the Virginia Medical Center in Bedford, Massachusetts. And by 2008, when his son and Anna first meet, 
He has become the head of the Brigham and Women's Hospital Division of General Neurology, where he'll serve from 2005 to 2018. Got it. So essentially, Brian's dad is just smart. Very smart. And he owns a beachfront home in Massachusetts. So smart and got a little bit of money. (laughs) Not as much is known about Brian's mother, except that she and Brian are close and that she depends on Brian quite heavily. Now, after meeting in 2008, Anna and Brian start dating and they maintain a long distance relationship. Anna apparently is now working in D.C. at the Willard Intercontinental Hotel, and she eventually moves to Boston to be with Brian when she and Brian get married. On December 15, 2015, after dating for years, they got married in a fairy tale wedding in Boston. Their reception is at a now-shuttered French restaurant in Boston, and the wedding photos are just beautiful. According to Fox News, Anna Walsh stands beside her husband, beaming in a fairy tale white tulle dress, a long veil, and an elaborate beaded necklace as she clutches a bouquet of roses. That's what's described of the wedding. In attendance at the wedding were a few dozen family members and friends. However, not one member of the groom's family was present. That's weird. Yeah, and we're going to come back to that later. At the later. entire wedding? At the entire wedding. All right, so there's obviously some sort of drama going right. on. Right. So soon after getting married, Anna and Brian start a family. They will go on to have three sons. Anna and Brian have their first child about a year after they get married. And on September 17th, 2018, three years after their wedding, Anna buys a property on Edgewood Road in Marblehead, Massachusetts, and she pays about $510,000 for it. Brian isn't listed as a co-owner, but according to sellmnews.com, he's listed on a declaration of homestead for the Marblehead property, which means that it's going to be a family home, most likely. Then that same month, Brian sets up an entity called Moorcraft Wines, which is purportedly a wine brokerage business, and he lists the Edgewood property as the business address. Okay. Do you think that she knows that he's doing this or that he listed that? Do you think it's like a talked about thing? Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. On Valentine's Day in 2019, Brian gives Anna a 2015 Maserati worth over $100,000. Dang. Anna posts about the Maserati online on her Instagram saying that it was, quote, the best Valentine's present of her life and that Brian, quote, makes all of my childhood dreams come true. In November 2020, Anna sells the property on Edgewood Road in Marblehead for $840,000. This is a $330,000 profit since she bought it two years earlier. And I mean, from all accounts, their lives seem to be charmed. They're doing well. Financially. Financially, they seem to be in love. Anna is described as a very driven businesswoman and sharp as a tack. She switches from a career in hospitality working at hotels to a career in real estate, and she begins working as the director of operations at the Mootloo Group. This is a real estate firm in Massachusetts. Okay. Around 2020, Anna reportedly owns four properties because she's gotten into real estate. She started working as a real estate agent, and she starts buying up properties in D.C., Massachusetts, and Maryland, and they're all in her name. Brian is not listed on any of them. Which... I guess you you can't really say it's a red flag right now. No. Everyone has different relationship with finances and marriages and 
combined accounts and joint accounts and not joint accounts and all that. In early 2022, Anna sells the family's home in Massachusetts for $1.3 million, which had been in her name only, and the family together starts renting a home with a pool. And this home is in Cohasset, Massachusetts, which is a wealthy coastal suburb of Boston, and it's the scene of our case. So in 2022, the Walsh family moves into this $1 million rental house, and the home is less than a mile from the beach, which... That's amazing. That's amazing. In February or March of 2022, Anna leaves her job at the Mootloo Group and takes a new job for an international real estate firm called Tishman Speyer, where she begins working as a real estate investment manager. But the catch is that this job is in Washington, D.C. So with the family of five living in Cohasset, Massachusetts, Anna now commutes to D.C. every week for her job and returns to Massachusetts on the weekends. At this point, Brian is primarily staying home to raise their three little boys, and Anna is taking the role as provider for the family. So she buys a townhome in D.C., and that's where she stays during the week. On January 1st, 2023, Anna is the mother of the three young boys that she has with Brian, and they're two, four, and six years old. She's 39 years old, and Brian is 47. So this is just a couple months ago. Brian's father has now passed away, but his mom is living only about an hour away. Anna is described as a loving wife and mother. She's also described as a force to be reckoned with. Anna volunteers for an organization helping immigrants called Sky International Center. And her mom still lives in Belgrade, Serbia, as well as all of her family members. It's basically safe to say the Walsh family is living the American dream in early 2023. They're enjoying a very upscale life in a very upscale community. They have three boys. He's a stay-at-home dad. She works. I mean... On the outside, it seems like everything is fine. Right. So to back up a little bit, on December 30th, 2022, Anna flies home from D.C. to Massachusetts for the New Year's holiday. She's been doing this back and forth all the time. This is very regular. She's planning to be home for about four days, and then she'll fly back to D.C. on January 3rd. On New Year's Eve, Anna and Brian have a very small New Year's Eve gathering at their home, and they have their friend, Jem Mutlu, over. He is the one, Anna's former boss at the Mutlu group. They have a festive evening within an elaborate meal. And according to Daily Mail, Jem says his former employee has been sitting on a bar stool in the kitchen texting her friends during the meal and party. So he basically says during this New Year's Eve party, Anna is busy on her phone texting, texting other, other friends. Yes. Okay, got it. Jem leaves the Walsh's house at about 1.30 a.m. on what is now January 1st, 2023, and everything seems fine to him. According to one source, a family member other than Brian sees Anna in the wee hours of January 1st after Jem leaves. Presumably, this would be one of the kids. So one of their kids must wake up and see mom. However, most sources don't mention this and say that other than Brian, Jem was the last person to see Anna that night. And it is important to add that the three young Walsh children are at home okay. this night as well. The first sign that not everything is fine comes three days later on January 4th, 2023, when Anna doesn't show up for work in D.C. Remember, she was supposed to fly back. Man, she doesn't make it. It's always not showing up for work. Always. Anna's employer reports her missing to the Massachusetts police and tells the police that Anna didn't show up for work as expected that day. Is that weird that he reported so quickly? I feel like as... Maybe he just didn't have the ability to contact... She 
he didn't know Brian's number. And so he was like, I might as well just go to police. I guess so. I feel like, but most employers, like if you work for a company, it's like, oh, they're not here today. I'll wait a day or I'll wait two days or I'll wait three days. I'll try to contact the family or a friend. I mean, I'm glad he did it. Obviously, but super interesting. According to one source, the police receive a simultaneous missing persons report from both Anna's employer and from Brian on January 4th. So not only the employer goes to police, but Brian does as well. However, according to Daily Mail, the log shows that on January 4th, the Washington, D.C. head of security for real estate firm Tishman Spare called police in Massachusetts where Walsh lived to request a welfare check. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Do you ever find that when you're traveling, you can't help but worry about what's going on back home? Like, again, did you remember to lock up everything or close all the windows? It's so easy for those little concerns to nag at you while you're trying to enjoy your trip. And that's why we highly recommend looking into Simply Safe Home Security today. It's all about giving you the top-notch security and total peace of mind, no matter where your summer adventures take you. It's like having that extra layer of protection so you can truly relax and enjoy your time away. You guys, I know that when we travel, it is so nice to just have that peace of mind. You know, it's not only for when you're home and you don't want someone breaking in, but like also when you're away from home and you just want to know that your house is safe. And that is what Simply Safe gives you. There's a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras we've installed. So we have a view of all our entry points. Plus, Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System 2024 by the U.S. News and the World Report. Simply Safe has given us and many of our listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/husband. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So, okay. two people called the police and then also the security calls Massachusetts and says, "Can you do a welfare check on this employee?" Dang, I feel like they're going hard so early. I think it's pretty safe to assume that Anna was important in her industry, important mm-hmm. at work, which is maybe why everyone is is jumping on this so fast. Yeah. The man who called told the operator that he had informed Walsh's husband, Brian, that she was missing too. So maybe when Brian goes to police, it's because her work called and said she didn't even show up to work. The police go to the Walsh's home on January 4th after Tishman Speyer reports Anna missing. Brian is there at home. He speaks to the police multiple times. He tells the police that he and Anna went to bed right after their friend Jem left. That was back on New Year's Day. Then at 6 a.m. on New Year's Day, Anna tells him that she has an unexpected work emergency and that she needs to fly back to D.C. She kisses Brian goodbye and tells him to go back to sleep. According to Brian, she leaves their house sometime between 6 and 7 a.m. And he says that's the last time he sees her. I feel like right away it's going to be pretty easy to check if she had a plane ticket. 
Right. So Brian later tells police that she normally takes an Uber or a Lyft or a taxi to the airport and that she'd been flying out of Logan. He says that a babysitter came to their house that afternoon. And then at 3 p.m. on January 1st, Brian says he left at 3 p.m. to go grocery shopping. Brian says he then went to see his mother at 4 p.m. She lives an hour away, but the trip that day took him longer than that. He says he got lost on his way to his mother's house. Oh, man, Brian. And that this is because he didn't have his cell phone. I mean, you know your mom lives, man. Right. Brian claims that one of his boys must have hidden his cell phone, and because of it, he wasn't able to use GPS. That means he also didn't take his cell phone on this And who drive. really leaves without their cell phone these days? Right. Nobody. Especially if you're leaving kids home with a babysitter. Exactly. About 15 minutes after he got to his mother's house, he says he started running errands for her. He went to Whole Foods and CVS for his mother. According to Brian, he called on his company to see if she'd shown up for work. Initially, police believe that Brian is being cooperative. However, police begin to notice something odd about Brian's car that day. His back seats are down and there's a plastic liner inside the back of his car. So January 4th, Anna's missing. Husband's claiming she left basically January 1st to go back to D.C. That whole day he was gone. He didn't have his phone. He was running errands for his mother. That's his alibi, essentially. On January 5th, police go out to the Walsh house again, and they notice something else that's odd. Now the plastic liner that they had seen in Brian's car the day before is missing. The police ask him about it, and he says he threw the plastic liner out. The police can see vacuum marks on the carpeting inside Brian's car as though he'd just been cleaning out his car. Okay. Meanwhile, the police, of course, follow up on Brian's story to see if it checks out so that they can figure out what happened to his wife. At this point, do they have phone records? Have they looked into phone records, GPS, like where she is, any of that? It's going to take time. Those records always take time because you have to get a subpoena. Gosh, that sucks because it would be so much easier to be like, look, we need her last location now. Where is it? Right. They've probably put in the request. It's just going to take time. Yeah. And while police are following up on Brian's story to see if it checks out, they quickly discover some inconsistencies with Brian's account of what transpired that day. They learned that on a cell phone pinged in the area uh, okay. of their home in Cohasset on January 1st and January 2nd. So there's no way I she, mean, was she could have gone, but her phone isn't gone. Her phone isn't gone. Also, no activity had happened on Anna's credit card since then. Brian has said that he lost or misplaced his cell phone on January 1st. However, investigators determined that it was plugged in that day and was at the house because it was pinging. The police also find out that one of the family's cell phones had left the house that day. Their oldest child, the six-year-old's mm-hmm. cell phone, left the house on January 1st. Dang, that's that's pretty young to have a phone. I, I mean, Just saying. I agree, but anyways, you know, kids these days. I know. Just different times different times so the cell phone tracks as having gone to two stores police follow up and confirm that brian is seen on videotape at these two stores supposedly carrying the six-year-old's cell phone with him okay he's because his is lost but it's actually plugged in gosh, at the house. brian's just if it's not him i don't know but this is he's looking suspicious i agree there's no way you're not a suspect during all this strike one was just being the husband yeah and then strike two was my cell phone went missing yeah and i went to my 
mom's house and she left. And uh, let me just, I got to vacuum my car, you know? It's just been a while. Let yeah. me vacuum let my me car. Let me take out this quick. plastic tarp. Yeah. So clearly he's been carrying around his oldest son's phone while leaving his own home. These two stores, though, are not the two stores that he told police he went to that day for his mom. Specifically, police learned that at 5.30 p.m. on January 1st, Brian went to a liquor store dumpster and surveillance tape catches him throwing away trash bags in that random dumpster. Then a little later on January 1st, police find that the oldest child's cell phone was pinging at another dumpster at Brian's mother's house. Oh my gosh, Brian. The phone then pinged at a Lowe's hardware store. And if there's something I know, it's that if a person is going to a hardware store hours after the person they're last seen with is missing, it's probably not for a light bulb. You are 100% correct. Whether it's Menards, Lowe's, Lowe's, Home Depot, none of which sponsor us, by the way. How great would that be if Menards sponsored us? They should do it. Brian is also captured on videotape at this low store. And if there's one thing that a 2023 crime has, it's video for Garrett. Anytime there is video, it seems like an open and shut case. And also it makes Garrett very happy. So the police learned that he bought the following items. This is as reported by CNN. Five five-gallon buckets, a hacksaw, oh 48 terry cloth towels, a full coverage suit, 200 disposable rags, trash bags, and cleaning products. Oh, th- this is insane. I, Why? Open and shut. Why do you go buy that the day your wife goes missing? There's two reasons you buy that. One, there's a zombie apocalypse. Two, you have killed somebody. Right. The phone then travels to a CVS where Walsh was also seen on surveillance video purchasing 13 different types of hydrogen peroxide. Oh my gosh. Police determined that on January 2nd, 2023, Anna's cell phone pings at the family home until about 3.14 a.m. This is contrary to Brian's initial story. He says she's gone by this time. Prosecutors say it had been stationary in the area of her home in Cahasset since New Year's Eve. The babysitter comes over on January 2nd, that was true, and watches two of the children while Brian takes the third out for ice cream. There was no school that day, obviously. It's in between holidays. Brian and investigators all agree that this is what actually happens, and he's seen on videotape at the juice bar with his child. On January 2nd, Brian also buys three rugs at a local home goods store. Then later in the day on January 2nd, Brian goes to a Home Depot in Rockland, Massachusetts. He pays $450 in cash for a number of items, including a hatchet, goggles, tarps, another bucket, mops, and 12 pounds of baking soda. Look, we're in 2023. It is no longer 1970 where you can go buy something in cash and hopefully people don't figure it out. I just feel like Come I on. get you're using cash still, but with cameras and everything everywhere, you're going to get caught. And these phone paint, even if you take your child's yeah, there's phone. phones everywhere. Like, what are you thinking, dude? He also wears gloves and a face mask in the store while buying these items. So upon checking Anna's flights, she does have a flight booked from Boston to D.C., on January 3rd, 2023. But police learned that she never gets on that flight, which this does agree with her original story of going home on that day. 
Police learn that on January 3rd at 4.27 p.m., Brian goes to an apartment complex in Abington. This is according to the pinging of the cell phone. And the complex has surveillance cameras. Surveillance tape catches Brian carrying a heavy garbage bag from his car. It's a Volvo, which he then hefts into a dumpster. The garbage bag appears to be heavy based on Brian's movements on the tape. It appears that he's maybe struggling a little bit. This is crazy. They're getting everything. Yeah. Abington is a town about four miles west of where the Walshes live. Uh At 4.48 p.m. on January 3rd, Brian goes to another apartment complex in Abington. At 5.10 p.m., Brian goes to yet another apartment complex, this one in another town. He's throwing more things out in dumpsters along the way, which... Nothing to say. Cameras are getting everything. Right. There's going to be so much evidence for the trial. It's It's, safe to say. If there's a trial, I don't know what's going on yet, but. That from January 1st to January 3rd, Brian is basically just stopping at different hardware stores. There's a babysitter watching the kids. He's just buying very suspicious stuff. He's taking his kid's cell phone. He's going to all these different apartment complexes. It's just crazy he thinks he's going to get away with this. And the only time he has an alibi with like. Someone else that's been confirmed is when he took his oldest child out for ice cream. Okay. So police obviously immediately go to try to find these items that they can see Brian throwing away in dumpsters. However, at the time he was going around to all these dumpsters on January 3rd, Anna hadn't even been reported missing yet. These items that Brian was throwing out in various dumpsters were incinerated by the garbage folks before police could even be aware of them. Once they become suspicious of Brian, which is quickly, given the evidence, law enforcement impounds Brian's car. Consistent with their initial observations, they find evidence that his car has been deep cleaned recently. Wait, so they they incinerated those bags? Mm-hmm. So they'll never get them? They'll never get oh them. Oh my gosh. Ah, I wish something was said earlier. Well, this is not the first time I've seen a husband dispose of Josh Powell in the Susan Powell case uh-huh. also went around to different dumpsters it's assuming that he did this because if they pick it up before anyone notices and it's too late and it's too late got it speaking of josh powell if you want an update on that case rise in crime has been covering because there have been recent updates on that case so if you follow that case go check out rise in crimes updates on january 5th 2023 at 8 a.m brian walsh goes to the kids' daycare brian then goes to swamp scott which is where his mother lives and goes to yet another dumpster This is according to cell phone records, which established that Brian was, quote, circling his mother's apartment complex before he stops at the corner where the dumpster is located. As reported on CNN and many other news outlets, police will be successful in recovering the following items that Brian dumped in this specific dumpster. So these ones weren't gone yet. Ten trash bags that originated from this dumpster contained bloodstains, cleaning materials, a hacksaw, a hatchet, a purse, and boots worn by Anna Walsh and her COVID-19 vaccination card. She's always, dude. The trash in this dumpster had already been transferred to a transfer station in Peabody, but they are still able to intercept it and collect it, like I said. On January 5th, 2023, the police publicly announced that Anna is missing. She was reported missing on January 4th, a day before, if you remember. The police announcement states that Anna was last seen on January 1st, shortly after midnight. It's kind of weird they would say that at this point, just because I would assume they think what Brian was throwing out was her body. Uh Uh-huh. So I find it a little odd that they would say, oh, she's missing. 
Yes, but also because there's no body been found, they can't say that she's yeah. been murdered yet. It's just hard because everyone's going to be looking for her, which right. is great. But, but after everything you've told me and the wasted police, resources. the police know this, they yeah. probably just assume it's her. Uh, it's hard. It's hard. I'm assuming they're hoping people who know Anna come forward and tell more information or something. Yeah. So the organized search for Anna begins on January 6, 2023. Police search the woods near their home in Cahasset using a canine unit and police search and rescue unit. The search will also expand into other towns. Investigators also search Anna's townhome in D.C. They find something peculiar here. They observed the townhome to be ready for the kids to move there with clothes and other items available. This is according to a state trooper's affidavit. Okay. The police wonder if Anna had been planning to leave Brian and take the kids with her. At this point, police announced that there was absolutely no reason or indication that Anna would voluntarily vanish and just stop communicating with everyone. According to the affidavit of another mm. trooper, Anna, quote, had made future plans for both herself in a professional and personal context, as well as for herself with her children. I wonder what's going on. It, there's obviously something that we don't know. Right. Because you don't just do this out of nowhere. There's another significant development in the case the following day. This is January 7th. Detective Harrison Schmidt from the Cohasset Police Department receives an email from a Gmail account identifying itself as being from Richard Walker 9984. It's a ransom note. The email demands $127,000 and claims that, quote, we have her here with us. We have the so named Anna Walsh with us here. We had a deal worth $127,000. She messed up. We have her here with us, and if she doesn't pay the money, then she'll never be back, and we know that the police and the FBI are involved. The ransom note wishes the police good luck in finding them. Uh, it seems a little too coincidental. Right. Like, as soon as it starts going public and everything, then the ransom yeah, note ransom finally... Yeah, ransom note comes out, and it's like, oh, well, she's going to... Yeah, no. I don't, I don't buy it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. So like we all have stuff that stresses us out, right? Whether it's big or small, it can really get to us if we keep it all inside. And therapy is a safe space to just let it all out and figure out how to deal with the stuff that's weighing us down. And I am such a huge advocate for therapy. It truly has changed my life for the better. I could go on and on. I feel like I have the tools now to handle panic attacks or just major stressors in life and also a safe space to say whatever I need to say to an unbiased party. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash husband today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash husband. Taking charge of my health is all about being super conscious of what I fuel my body with. Whether it's food or supplements, I'm constantly on the lookout for the top choices, and that's why I'm stoked to share with all of you Thorn. 
Thorne takes a personalized, innovative, and scientific approach to health and wellness with their supplements. They manufacture all their supplements in the U.S. using top-notch ingredients sourced globally. Plus, they team up with leading medical professionals to bring you highly effective nutritional supplements. Whether it's their B-complex, creatine, magnesium, or basic prenatal, Thorne's got all the supplements I need to help promote and maintain my health goals. You guys, I'm actually taking the B-complex vitamins every single morning, and I feel like it enhances my energy and mood, especially if we've been eating a little bit unhealthy. With Thorne, we never have to question what's in each supplement because they go the extra mile when it comes to quality, manufacturing, and ingredients. Give your body what it really needs with Thorne. Go to thorne.fit slash husband and use code husband for 10% off your first order. That's T-H-O-R-N-E dot F-I-T slash husband code husband for 10% off your first order. Thorne.fit slash husband code husband. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Obviously, the police are suspicious that this email is a hoax and not a true ransom note, given that there's no deadline for paying and no details for making payment. Meanwhile, police are dedicating extensive resources to investigating Brian and his movements and following up on the timeline he provided them. According to CNN, at least six investigators are busy watching surveillance tape at the stores Brian claims he went to while helping his mother on January 1st. And on January 7th, the police announced that the search is over. Police interview another man who they've learned is closely associated with the Walsh family, or at least with Anna Walsh. They have discovered that Anna's been having an affair with a man in Washington, D.C. for the past several months, and they interview that man. The police have learned that things weren't quite as rosy in the Walsh marriage as may have appeared from the outside or on Instagram. So they announced the search is over probably because of the reason you stated. They felt like they were wasting resources. And now they have found out she's having an affair. They talked to the guy, and I assume Brian obviously knows about it. Right. So police at this point are like, who are Anna and Brian Walsh, really? Like, we need to figure out what this marriage is. What is a motive here for even killing his wife mm-hmm. besides the affair? The police have been busy investigating them and their past in, and their relationship. One thing they learn is that there's a reason that Anna and Brian are celebrating New Year's Eve at home, aside from the fact they have three small children. The reason is that Brian Walsh has to be home. He has to be home because he's serving time on home arrest due to some federal fraud charges. The police learn a lot about Brian once his wife disappears. What in the world? According to a friend of Brian's father that says he knows Brian, has known him since he was a child, he claims Brian became fixated on a materialistic and extravagant lifestyle. And as Brian got older, he sort of lost touch with how people make it in the real world and assumed a mantle of entitlement. There were signs from the beginning that he was a con artist. Mm. He dropped out of Carnegie Mellon University and checked into a mental health facility at the Austin Riggs Center where he spent a significant amount of time in his early years. Also, there's a reason that Brian's family isn't at the wedding. Brian becomes estranged from his father in 2009 after being accused of stealing $1 million from his own father. This theft relates to an elaborate real estate fraud scheme concerning a property in Massachusetts. A million bucks. Brian, after this scheme, leaves with his father's money upon closing 
of this property. And his father was permanently affected by this and then doesn't hear from his son, Brian, for years afterward. Then in 2016, Brian sold two fake Andy Warhol paintings on eBay to a gallery owner, a man named Ron Rivlin, who believed they were authentic paintings. He says at first that Brian was charismatic, articulate, transparent, and professional. This gallery owner says he'd been buying art for years and that this was the one and only time he was ever defrauded. The total for these paintings was $225,000. Okay. While all of that's going on, Brian's father signs his will in May of 2016. Again, he's very wealthy. He owns a beachfront home. He keeps his will in the house. Two years later, Brian is arrested at 6 a.m. in connection with the charges of the art fraud. The police raid Brian and Anna's home in Massachusetts to make the arrest, and they execute a search warrant looking for evidence of the scam. I'm just saying it's starting to make more sense why Anna didn't put his name on any of the homes. I'm curious. I don't know if I should even say it, but I'm surprised they got married in the first place. I'm guessing that Brian lied about a bunch of things, lied yeah. about his family, lied about everything and she probably was like okay yeah well and his family there was already issues with his family because these issues happened way early on yep now shortly after his arrest brian transfers ninety five thousand dollars to anna and of this four thousand is cash and 91 is made out in a check just a week or two later on may 24th 2018 brian's mother gives him a hundred and twenty five thousand dollars for his expenses He doesn't disclose these funds or the transfers he's made to Anna to the federal court where he's appearing on the fraud charges. So he's messing with money. I'm also confused. There must be so much just family drama behind it because the mom then wires him money. Well, all sources said she had a very close relationship with him and kind of relied on him a little bit emotionally. So Yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Then, just a few short months later, Brian Walsh's father, Dr. Thomas Walsh, dies on September 21st at the age of 71. Dr. Walsh's attorney informs Brian that his father has passed away. However, Brian doesn't inform the rest of the family of his father's death. Instead, he leaps into action in an unlawful attempt to grab his father's assets. Brian asks his father's friend for a key to his father's beachside home, which is full of valuable assets such as paintings, rugs, jewelries, antiques. Brian claims he needs the key to get documents that will help get his father's body back to the U.S. because his father actually died while on a trip in India. Wow. Yes. So the friend leaves the key under the doormat, and while inside the home, the friend notices the will and takes photos of it. Now, this is going to be a good thing. Because he takes photos of the will before Brian that's gets his so, hand on That's it. so smart. It's so easy to, as right. as it is, to change those. Yes. According to Daily Mail, with his dad deceased, Brian raided his father's home, stealing thousands of dollars worth of artwork and luxury items, as well as a car. He then tries to sell his father's house for 140000 more than it was worth after he was wrongly named executor of the will. How did he think he was just going to be able to sell it? I don't know. Brian goes online and tries to sell the valuables that he's stolen. And according to court documents, Brian also withdraws over $100,000 from his deceased father's bank account. Oh my gosh. It's just getting worse and worse for Brian. He's obviously not legally entitled to take any of these items. And according to Fox News, Brian drains his deceased father's bank accounts and sells off his valuables. Brian also finds and destroys his father's will. This will had disinherited him. So he had been disinherited in the will and he destroys it. 
Brian will lie and then tell the probate court that his father died without a will. Once the true will comes to light, the friend comes forward, says, hey, I took a picture. There was a will. Here it is. Brian then contests his father's will and a legal fight erupts over the terms of the will and the division of the estate. Brian claims that his father's signature on the will was forged, but all other family members come forward saying, no, 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 these guys were estranged. There had been years of alleged swindling and manipulation. There is no way that his father didn't have a will and that he left everything to his son. Also, according to the New York Post, the father's friend of more than 35 years stated in a 2019 affidavit that he had known Brian since the age of 13, and he said Brian's father told him that the son had been a long-term patient at the Austin Riggs Psychiatric Center and had been diagnosed as a sociopath while there. I wonder if Anna knew about any of this. Right? I I would have to assume no. In November 2018, Brian pleads not guilty to multiple federal fraud charges, and he is later accused of misleading the court by failing to disclose certain assets he has. Um, Remember how he transferred money to his wife? So Anna, in turn, is accused of benefiting from Brian's fraud and from his failures to disclose assets. Valentine's Day 2019, where Brian buys Anna that 2015 Maserati, was only three months after he pled guilty to federal fraud charges. Like everything comes around and he pleads guilty. Yeah, I was going to say, where did did he get the money for this? Now it's all making sense. So everyone's pretty lenient on him, um, kind of believing that he was a family man. So as part of the agreement, he was allowed to request to leave home so long as he provided details about where, when, and why, and he was not forced to wear an ankle monitor. But he still technically was on house arrest, and he's allowed to take the kids to and from school. Okay. As for Anna, the police have learned a bit more about her background as well. Around 2005, Anna met a man named Mark Nip, apparently at a hotel where they both worked, and they got married. She reportedly then was able to get her green card, and they don't have any children together. She meets Brian in 2008, and they date for years. They get married in 2015 after Anna divorces Mark in 2014. Got it. So she was still married while dating Brian. Were they together? Do you know? It doesn't say none of the sources really said either. I'm sure just because she is the victim and it doesn't, I mean. true. So Anna spends Thanksgiving of 2022 with the man she's been having an affair with in D.C. for the past few months. They spend Thanksgiving together in Dublin, Ireland. According to prosecutors, Brian begins suspecting that his wife is having an affair. At this point, he's a full-time stay-at-home dad. He's doing cooking, cleaning, watching kids. And he starts trolling this male friend of his wife's Instagram account. Trolling, okay. According to Brian's defense attorney, (laughs) he doesn't suspect it and knows nothing of his wife's affair until he reads about it later in the prosecution paper. So once his wife dies, he's like, no, 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 I had no idea. No, there's no way. On December 26, 2022, Brian's mother hires a private investigator to follow Anna around, though, in D.C., so I'm assuming he definitely knew about the affair. On December 27, 2022, Brian Googles, what's the best state to divorce for a guy? This search is done on the Walsh's oldest child's iPad, the six-year-old. So he's just using all of his 6 And he's clearly trying to hide it. Right. Which, I mean, I feel like you don't have to hide that. I know. Out of all things, like what's the best state to divorce? 
Yeah. It's not like he looked up what's the best date to kill someone. On December 28th, 2022, the next day, Anna has dinner in D.C. with a friend and breaks down in tears. She tells the friend she's very upset about her husband, that she's worried he's going to be sent to prison because of all of these fraud charges, and that she's thinking about leaving him and moving with her three children to D.C. The friend reports that Anna is uncharacteristically emotional and extremely upset. According to Boston.com, a friend of Anna's later tells the media that the marriage was strained and that at this point, Anna had given Brian some sort of ultimatum about the resolution of his criminal case and that she wanted the kids to move to be with her in D.C. I mean, granted, she's very upset that her husband had lied and had committed fraud and now might go to prison. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that is stressful. Anna is reportedly photographed not wearing her wedding ring near the end of 2022. And I don't know if she like typically wore her wedding ring all the time or if this was rare for her. This takes us to Friday, December 30th, when Anna flies from D.C. to Massachusetts for the New Year's holiday. And on that Saturday, December 31st, Anna and Brian have that small New Year's Eve gathering at their home. Brian is still on home arrest, the three children are at home, and Anna unsuccessfully tries calling family members in Serbia after midnight that night. Prosecutors believe that Brian then beats Anna to death in their home in the wee hours. Oh my god! And that he kills her sometime around 4 a.m. on January 1st. Okay. Police obtain a search warrant for the Walsh house on January 8th, and they find blood and a bloody broken knife down in the family basement. Ugh. As part of the search for the Walsh home, authorities do take and search the electronics, including the iPad. But this is also about to get way worse because there is more searches done on the oldest child's iPad between 4.50 a.m. and 6.30 a.m. on January 1st. Again, this is shortly before the time that Brian claims Anna is going to suddenly leave home on the business trip, but also this is when police think he killed her. At 4.55 a.m., How long before a body starts to smell is searched on the iPad? Okay. And others, how to dispose of a human body. How long does it take for someone to be declared dead? On January 2nd, there are more Google searches on the child's iPad between 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. Hacksaw best tool to dismember. Can you be charged for murder without a body? Can you identify a body with broken teeth? Oh my gosh, this is over. This is 100% over. There are also Google searches in the iPad's history about how to remove a SIM card from a cell phone, how to mix ammonia, and searches relating to various apartment complexes located in Brock. Which- he should have looked up, Can police do police know what I'm looking up on my iPad? Because, like, what is he doing? Well, are you ready for the worst one? Yep. At some point, someone uses the child's iPad to Google. How to dispose of a 115-pound woman's body. That's so crazy. Could you lay it out any more obvious Also, I've never looked these things up, so I don't know what pops up. But what pops up? Right. Just Is like there a, actual answers? I'm guessing a bunch of Reddit posts. Maybe. No idea. Don't look at that up, by the way. Yeah. On January 3rd, the day that Anna is supposed to be on a flight to D.C. but isn't, A person police are certain is Brian is back on the iPad doing more Google searches. What happens to hair on a dead body? What is the rate of decomposition of a body found in a plastic bag compared to on a surface in the woods? Can baking soda mask or make a body smell good? 
Oh my gosh, this is nuts. Oh, he keeps going. There are also searches for how to remove blood from concrete, how to detect blood with fluorescent. So like how would police Mm -hmm. find it? And he does a search for a company that cleans up crime scenes. Like this person's going to come over and clean it up. Hey, let me clean your house for you. Yeah. On January 4th, more searches. 10 ways to dispose of a dead body if you really need to. Dismemberment and the best ways to dispose of a body. Can you be charged with murder without a body? And then again, can you identify a body with broken teeth? This just goes to show he has no idea what he's doing. Of course not. Yeah. Also goes to show he's guilty. Yeah. On January 8th, police confront Brian with all of the Google searches they found on the iPad. And I'm sure he never thought police would search the children's iPad which is why he used it. So can you imagine that moment when police come to him and go, what are these? Yeah. Brian explains that it was his son's iPad that had made those searches. And his attorney ended the interview when officers asked how a six-year-old could make the searches without any spelling mistakes. Yeah. Apparently, Brian was implying that a six-year-old had been the one Googling these things. Which if a six-year-old is Googling, can you identify a body with broken teeth? We got some other problems. Yes. On January 8th, authorities believe they have enough evidence for an arrest. Brian is arrested and charged with the crime of misleading a police investigation. He's not yet charged with murder as the investigation is still so early and there's no body. He's locked up in custody where he remains to this day. Which is ridiculous because I get they don't have a body, but you don't you do not need to have a body in this case. No. There is too much circumstantial, not even circumstantial, like hard evidence that he did this. So after this, there's just a bunch of back and forth in court and prison. And I mean, those are just really small, minuscule details because trial hasn't actually technically started um, and they're still building a case. But we will be covering all of the court updates over on Rising Crime for this story now that you've listened to it on Murder With My Husband. So if you're interested in following, you can follow it there. When's the next court date or appearance? Do you know? The next pretrial conference isn't scheduled until August 23rd, oh, wow. 2023. I can't believe how long it takes. I know. There are three very young children who now don't have their parents. A mom. Their mother is dad. missing, presumed dead, and their father is in prison, accused of her murder. The children have been placed with the Massachusetts Department of Children and Families. It's unclear where they are now, but according to CNN, a flood of families have offered to take the children and keep the so siblings together. So sad that... I can't believe he killed his wife, mother of three children. I know. Horrible. It's awful. Brian obviously had a long history of being a con man, but did he also have a history of violence? Those are two very different things. Yeah. According to one witness, the answer is yes. This man says he went on a trip to China with Brian and that Brian was trying to illegally smuggle antiquities out of the country. When Brian was confronted, he picked up a stanchion and literally attempted to kill four or five guards that had come to talk to him wow. about his crime. So, I mean, I'm sure that this will more of this will be brought up once trial actually starts. But it will be interesting to see if any character witnesses come forward claiming that Brian was a violent man. Mm-hmm. A charge of first degree murder in Massachusetts carries a mandatory sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. The prosecution's theory of the case is that Brian beat his wife to death after discovering her affair, then chopped her up in the family basement. He also was going to inherit $2.7 million in life insurance for her death. As far as we know, Anna's body has not yet been found. However, investigators found what she was wearing when she was last seen alive. Her watch, her boots, remember those were thrown away near the dumpster by his mother's house. 
Why would a woman throw away designer clothing? Because it was an Hermes watch and Prada boots and a Gucci necklace. Yeah, there's no way she threw those away. Why would a woman throw away her purse? Why would they throw? Why would she throw away her vaccine card? Yeah. Why would a woman leave her children and never contact them again? Why would she leave her cell phone behind? Why would a, how would a person survive without money? We will keep you updated on future developments in this ongoing murder case on murder with my husband, but over on rising crime. And that is what is happening so far in the death of Anna and the murder trial of Brian Walsh. Uh, I feel like it's going to be a pretty just open and shut case with all the evidence they have cameras, which sucks is that the family will probably never see a body because I'm assuming that the body has been, you know, dismembered, thrown into a bunch of different dumpsters. And yeah. I don't know how you recover that. I don't either. Um, I'm interested to see if this becomes like another Scott Peterson or yeah. like, is it going to be open and shut or is no. trial going to come and put me on the jury? Call me in coach. <laughs> I'm going up. Yeah. All right, you guys, that was our case for this week, and we will see you next time. Don't forget to submit your Dear Daisy stories. I love it. And I hate it. Goodbye. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.